How many of you guys have heard my story about uh, when my underwear ended up all over the interstate? No? Sweet. I found a new story. Okay. So I was in sixth grade. We had, I, had, I was only like a month into sixth grade or so. It was, it was pretty early. No, Micah was not involved. I didn't know Micah yet at this point in life. So this is not a my buddy Micah story. Uh, uh well, we were moving actually from Lakeland, Florida, up to Thomaston, Georgia. Uh, it's about a seven-hour drive. Do you remember this, Wes? Okay. And uh, I was in sixth grade, so Wes was in whatever, second grade. And uh, now my dad, I guess my granddad had taken the truck up early because I don't remember there being a moving truck involved in this story. But uh, um, so we had this blue Ford Escort station wagon because we were cool, and it was 1996 uh, or 97, actually. It was a... a August or September of 97. But we were, uh, the four of us, me, Wes, and my mom and dad, were getting ready to move from Lakeland, Florida, which is right in the middle of Florida, up to Thomaston, Georgia. And so my dad has always had high blood pressure. Like his whole life, he's always had high blood pressure. And so that morning he thought, you know, moving is stressful, especially when you're taking a long move like that with two young boys. He thought, I'm going to double up on my blood pressure meds to make sure my blood pressure doesn't spike too high. And uh, when you double up on your blood pressure meds, your blood pressure goes so low that you can't stand. And we literally, we walked out, I remember, we walked out into the garage, and he's sitting on the ground next to the car like this because he can't stand up. He, like, collapsed in the garage next to the car. Now, my dad's about my size. He's pretty big, you know. But somehow the three of us get him up. And luckily, he never drove our family anywhere. My mom always did the driving. So that wasn't a huge issue uh, as far as that part of it goes. But we... uh, you know, he, we get him in the car. Luckily, everything was loaded at that point. Now, this is the only time in my life that I can remember us ever putting our luggage on top of the car. Anybody ever do that? Like, do the old school? You, like, okay, we never did that. I don't know why. After this, I know why. But up to this point, we had never done that. And uh, so we had our luggage on top of the car. Wes and I are in the back. We got our Game Boys or whatever. And, uh, and my mom's driving up to Georgia. So we're on I-75 North. Drive him to Georgia. And uh, my dad was so weak, like we'd hit a rest stop, and he couldn't walk all the way to the bathroom. I remember he tried to get out and walked like halfway there and was like, forget it. I'll just, I'll just hang on. And he walked back to the car like very slowly and weakly. Like this, this is, and so we were, I don't think we were quite in Georgia yet. We were in North Florida driving, driving along, Wes and I are in the back seat. And in the rearview mirror, my mother sees a suitcase come off the roof of the car, okay? We had these brown leather suitcases. I can picture them. And uh, direct, the car directly behind us at the time was a Winnebago RV, you know, motorhome thing. It was large. And it hit the suitcase, which happened to be the one full of all of my clothes. And, you know, I was 11, 11 years old at the time. And that, uh, that Winnebago destroyed the suitcase and all of my clothes were floating about I-75. And my dad is too weak to help. He can't stand up. And so 11-year-old me and my mom, luckily like a state trooper or something, stopped, saw this whole thing happening and stopped and helped us chase the whitey tidies around the underwear, you know, or around the interstate as we, as we got. And we, after that, we put all the, the, the suitcases that were remaining inside. Wes and I sat on top of suitcases the rest of the way to Georgia. But uh, that is a true story. That happened. That's exactly how it happened. My dad, we, we still remember that. The reason I bring that up 
is because I'm curious if any of you guys has ever been on a trip that either contained a major distraction, like kind of like, I imagine like National Lampoon's Vacation. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that. Uh, it's older. That movie's from like 1988 or so. But, uh, you know, anybody ever been on a trip like that where nothing goes right and there's all kind of distractions? Anybody ever been on a trip like that? No, y'all have all had good. Okay, Draven's got his hand up. We'll have to hear that story later. Do what? Y'all got a story? It's not really much of a story. Okay. Well, tonight we're going to talk about a situation very much like that. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, we're in Genesis chapter 11. I'll have it up on the screen as usual. In Genesis chapter 11, we're going to start in verses, verse 31. We're just going to look at the last two verses of this particular Bible story. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, I find this interesting because we know where was Terah headed to, where, where was his object, what was his final destination? Canaan, yes, it's up there on the screen. He, he set out to go to Canaan, okay? That was his, his goal, but he got distracted. Now, if you see up here, he, he, he got stopped along the way. We see up here on the map, they started down here in Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans, okay? And they went up, they got to Haran, and he was going to Canaan. He had to go around, but they stopped about halfway there. They only got about halfway to the destination. And, uh, and he never... Terah never got there. It says he died in Haran. I find this interesting. You know, especially those of you who grew up in church like I did, you know, we talk, you've heard about how Abram left Earth the Chaldean for, for Canaan. Like the, we talk about how Can Abram is the one who actually made it to Canaan and became the father of the, the Jewish people. But, but here, this scripture, and I just noticed this not too long ago, Abram wasn't even the one leading the party to begin with. It was Terah who was leading, leading it. Which made me wonder, how many of you guys remember that song, Father Abraham? Right? Father Abraham had many sons, right? And many sons, yeah. I wonder if that song should have been Father Terah. Like, Terah was leading this, this, this journey at first. I know it doesn't quite roll off the, Father Terah, it just doesn't work as well. They would have had to change, I guess the melody would have been different. But I wonder if he was the one who was supposed to do that. I wonder if he was supposed to be the one who was the father of the nation of Israel. You know, we talk about, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I wonder if it was supposed to be like Terah, Abraham, and Isaac. And again, we're not used to hearing that, but that's the way the scripture seems like. Terah was leading this thing. And so Terah did not get to where he was supposed to go. So God said, okay, Abram, you finish it. And Abram made it to Canaan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Because the reason that happens is because Terah settled in Haran or Haran. Now, here's a couple things I want you to notice about what happens when we settle. Okay, first off is this. We die where we settle. We, now, that's like a little morbid right now. But, you know, Terah's story didn't get finished the way God intended. God had intended. God said, Terah, go to Canaan. Terah says, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to go into Canaan. But he got to Haran, and for whatever reason, we don't even know why. The Scripture doesn't give us any reasoning. But he stopped where he was, and he ended up dying there. It says that right there. It says they settled there, and then just a few words later, Terah died there. And I find this very interesting because he was settled for that ending. One of my favorite books growing up as a kid was called Rocket Boys. Or I say growing up, like in, in junior high and high school. I've read it probably a half a dozen times. Anybody have a book they've read a bunch of times? Right? Okay. Rocket Boys was that book for me in high school. Love this book. 
I can't remember the guy's name now, but it's an autobiography. It's a true story, mostly. And it's about this guy who built rockets. As like a high schooler, started building these little rockets with some friends. And ends up, he ends up going to the National Science Fair, winning. I think he wins the National Science Fair from this little coal mining town in West Virginia. Uh, Homer Hickam, that's his name. Yes, if you've seen the movie October Sky, Jake Gyllenhaal, Yes, that, that's that, this is the book that October Sky is based off of. Okay, it's called Rocket Boys, and and he goes to the National Science Fair. I think he wins it. He ends up working for NASA. Like he ends up being literally a rocket scientist, a rocket engineer. Uh, and it started because he was just building these rockets in his backyard in this little bitty town of Colwood, West Virginia. Now, if that book had ended halfway through, it's a pretty lame book. Because it's just about this poor kid whose dad yells at him all the time, and that's it. Like, that's kind of the end. Like, as you know, the end of the book, because his dad doesn't understand why he's doing this, and, his, you know, of course, they reconcile at the end. And, but if the book had ended halfway through, he never goes to science fair. His dad's still mad at him. He never works at NASA. That's lame. Okay? So Tara only, di he didn't get all the way to the end of his story. He didn't finish the call that God put on him because God doesn't desire for us to settle. Okay, that's not God's desire for us to get partway through the story. God wants to continually do new things in us. If you read through scripture, there's all kinds of uh, stuff. In Isaiah 43, we talked about this at camp a little bit. God says, see, I'm doing a new thing, how it springs up. Do you not perceive it? He's like, don't you see? There's more to this. I got more stuff coming for you if you'll go for it. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He's saying, don't you see? There's more. There's more to this life, as Stephen Curtis Chapman saying. Okay, in, uh, in Haggai 2.9, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. He's like, what I'm doing now and what I'm going to do is better than what I did before. Don't settle for what you had before because there's more. And that's what God is telling us. God has crazy, radical plans for us, but it's so easy for us to just settle where we are. We settle for normal. We settle for, I hope nobody notices I'm doing something big. We settle for, I'll just stay here in the middle of the crowd and, and, and I won't draw any attention to myself. But God has crazy plans for us. You know, all the stories in the Bible, all the ones that we like, the ones that we talk about, are people who didn't settle for normal. See, Tara settled for normal, and how many of y'all, this is the first time you've ever heard of him tonight? A bunch of us, right? Like, Tara's not a popular Bible character. We don't talk about Tara because he settled for normal. We talk about Abraham who made it to Canaan and who had a kid at the age of 100 and then almost sacrificed his kid because God told him to, but God provided a, a ram. And we talk about Jacob who wrestled with, with the angel. And we talk about David who killed a giant as a little boy. You know, We talk about these people who did wild things. We don't talk about the normal people. They're boring. It's true. Francis Chan put it like this. I like this. If you put my life story in Scripture, would it? really look radical or would it look like oh that guy played it safe who's on the next page if we put our story the, the story of our walk with jesus into scripture how would it would it look like dude that guy did some stuff that was cool man look at all the look at all the people that person reached look at all the you know look at all the work for the kingdom that guy accomplished or would it be like oh yeah there's another dude who had a had an okay boring life it's a good question Will we settle for normal or will we push through to what God calls us? I want everyone to close your eyes. Okay, nobody looking around. I have a question for you guys. Okay, and I don't want you to answer it yet. I just want you to think about the answer for now. And here's the question What would you do to make our youth group better? Again, don't answer out loud. 
What would you do to make our youth group better? Or let me ask it this way. What would you do to make our youth group more effective in reaching people, reaching your friends and reaching teens in Odessa? Okay, now keeping your eyes closed, if in just that 15, 30 seconds just now, I said, what would you do to make our youth group better? How many of you, an idea popped into your mind? Raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. And you can open your eyes, okay? Now, if you raise your hand, then you are a candidate to be on student leadership. We're starting a student leadership team. And uh, I want to just show this to you real quick. Uh, and then we'll, and then I'll move on. Anderson has never been nothing but a walk behind her. And when you walk behind and you're not a leader, then the view never changes, baby. The view never changes, baby. The view never changes. Anybody know who that is? Anybody not named Wes know who that is? No? That's Dusty Rhodes. Dusty, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. He's an old wrestler. That's his son, Dustin Rhodes, who's now Gold Dust. Anyways, yes, that was Gold Dust. Uh, now, here's the deal. That's, like, kind of weird because y'all don't like wrestling, and I do. But, but that point is still really valid. If you follow behind, the view never changes. The view never changes, baby, as he lisps along, you know. But that's kind of the idea behind this student leadership thing. You see, you guys, many of you, some of you guys have ideas for the way our youth group can be more effective. And that's awesome because I am fully aware that you are going to be more effective at reaching your friends than I am, okay? I know I like to think of myself as still being able to relate to y'all and I do my best, but I'm still 10 to 16 years older than all of you guys, depending on who you are, okay? Which, you know, which means that you guys are going to know your friends better than I do, and I'm fully aware that some of the stuff I think is cool y'all think is lame. I get that. I'm fully aware. And so we're going to put together a leadership team to help us be more effective, okay? Um, it's, it's uh, you know, we're going to go on a retreat August the 4th through the 6th, which is coming up here. It'll be right before the Dallas trip. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to take a retreat probably down to Del Rio, hang out for a few days, um, and do a lot of talking, a lot of vision, a lot of planning, and a lot of just hanging out in the river. Uh, it's down there on the, right on the border. There's lots of river places we can hang out. Todd was telling me that uh, he has jumped off of almost every bridge for like an eight-mile stretch of that river because he's Pastor Todd. And so, uh, you know, no, it doesn't, yeah, when he told me that, I'm like, yeah, that's about right. But we're going to go and we're going to hang out and we're going to, and we're going to talk. Another thing that the student leadership team is going to do is going to have a lot of creative input as far as what our services look like, the service order, the games we play. I know whenever I ask what I can do better, that, that seems to be the main answer is games. You're lame at games. And I know I'm bad at games. Um, so we'll come together as a team to figure out some cooler games or what games work and what games don't. And, uh, you know, we're going to help plan some events just, you know, as far as big outreach events, plan out the calendar, the schedule, and even like things like the sermon topics, creative things to go with the sermon um, so that it's not just me talking and showing the occasional video. You know, I want to do things. We want to be more effective, and we know that we can. I'm, I know that we can, but I need y'all's help. And so uh, this... Um, the student leadership team is going to shape our youth group, like help provide the vision and the direction for the youth group, okay? Because, you know, uh, that's what we need. I've come to, I've come, to, I've talked to other youth pastors, and and most of the youth pastors I've talked to uh, of youth groups that are being effective and are really reaching their friends have a strong student leadership team, 
And so we haven't, and that's mostly my fault. Um, you know, some of you guys, I, I'll ask you stuff, but it hasn't been very organized or very intentional. And so we're going to make it very intentional from here on out. We're going to start with probably just four students. I don't know. I mean, that's my plan right now is to start with four. Um, but it could be more. I, I mean, it just kind of depends what we have and how the Lord's leading me. Like I said, right now I think it's going to be four. Um, four students who are going to help shape our youth group, help direct our youth group. And, and the youth group is going to change. The way things are run is going to change. And the way things, you know, the way things are announced might change. And the way things are communicated might change because we do, I want to be more effective. That's the whole thing here is about being more effective. And so um, I've got an application packet over here. You said, why is there an application? Because uh, leaders are held to a certain standard. Uh, the book, uh, past, uh, blah, blah, blah. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes quite a bit about, um, about the leaders. And some of y'all who are here for our minor prophet study, like every minor prophet, he yelled at the leaders. Like every minor prophet, not yelled at, but they're like, hey, leaders, pay attention. This is for you. And so leaders are held to a higher standard. So there is an application. Okay, it's about... Just four pages front and back. The last one is mostly contract. There's not a lot of writing on that one. Um, but uh, it's pretty straightforward, and and I need it back in two weeks. Two weeks from tonight is July 30th, um, and I'll have – We'll have it kind of picked out by that weekend who, who's going to be on the team. But uh, if you are interested in doing that, I need you to come get one of these right here after service ends, after I pray. And, again, I hope that – I'm just going to say, like, pretty much everybody raise their hand uh, as far as the idea thing. Like, I wasn't sure who would, but almost all of you guys have ideas for how we can make the youth group better, which is awesome. I'm glad because, again, I know most of my own limitations. I'm learning them. And so I need, you know, you guys to help make this better because – I am only so much. I'm only one man. And so uh, if you are interested in that, which, again, I hope most of you will be, I would love to have no applications left at the end of tonight. Um, uh, come and get one of these after service because, like Audrey said at camp, with the way God is working in our youth group, and I hope you're continuing to allow yourselves to be, to, to, for God to work in your hearts, how could we not reach Odessa? The way we don't reach Odessa is if we all settle for normal. That's how we don't reach Odessa. Is if we all settle and we say, you know what? The way things have been going, that's okay. Our youth group, 10 to 15, 15 when everybody's here, that's okay. That's enough. You know, every, every spring we all get, we all kind of go through a spiritual dry season. That's okay. We're used to that. That's not what God called. God has called us to more than that, guys. God has called us to be effective. Man, I want to see... You know, we're going to turn this room right over here into the youth room probably before school starts is the plan, uh, using the firework money. And, uh, and you know, I would love to have 40, 50. I, I want to outgrow that room. You know, I want to get 60 kids in there and be like, all right, PT, we spent eight grand on this room. We need a bigger one. That would be awesome, right? That, I mean, how cool would that be to be like, you know, like the kids have been blowing up over the last six months. You know, we got 25, we got 40 kids on Sunday mornings a lot of times. I'd love for that to happen. Like, we don't have room for all the teenagers that are showing up here. And that doesn't happen because of me, and we have proof of that. Two and a half years I've been here, coming up on three years in October, you know, and, and, and I've been trying to do it by myself. And, and, again, that's on me, but we have the potential to do big things. We have the potential to reach Ector and Permian and Bonham and every other school that I just forgot about that's around here, Compass and whoever else is here. We have the potential to reach all those schools. And so I want to do that. So if you're interested in that, 
I'm going to pray here, and then uh, we'll be pretty much done. If you're interested in a leadership forum, come up and get one. Or if you don't get one tonight, I'm going to have them up on the website, hopefully tomorrow. I know nobody, y'all don't ever look at our website, but uh, I do keep it updated every once in a while, chosengenyouth.com. Right now, I've still got fireworks stuff, so don't look at it yet. But tomorrow, I'm going to have it updated with all the student leadership stuff and the trip to Dallas stuff. And, uh, and this form will be online. It will be available for download if you... If, if that's the way you do it. But I've got a bunch, I've got enough printed out for everybody who's here tonight. So y'all can come get one tonight. Let's pray. God, I pray for these students. God, I thank you for what you have begun to do in our hearts again, Lord. God, for the work that you did in us at camp and for the, uh, God, just for the love and grace that you show us. God, I pray that First off, that that work would not be stopped, that we would not allow that work to stop or to get stale. We would not allow our relationship with you to grow stale or old, but we would continue to renew our relationship with you. God, we would continue to uh, chase after you and seek a deeper relationship and a deeper walk with you. And God, I pray that that walk with you would would be the catalyst, would be the propellant, God, that moves us forward out of what we're used to and out of the normal settling for the same old, same old, God, but it would propel us forward to a a deeper place, a deeper level, a deeper walk with you and a bigger impact on our area, God. God, on every school that is represented here, we want to have an impact, not so that First Assembly of God can be known, but so that Jesus can be known. God, not so that so that Pastor Tony or Pastor Todd or any student leader can be known by their name, but so that you can be made famous in those schools and students would be drawn to you. God, when we talk about outgrowing rooms, it's not so that we can show how good we are, but so that you can show how good you are. And so I pray, Lord, that our, that our walk with you would deepen and that that would result in, in, in converts, God, in, in successful fishing of men like you promised Peter that you would make him and you have promised us you would make us. God, that people around us would be drawn to you because of our walk and that people uh, around us would, be, would, get, would come to know you in a new way or for the first time, God. Lord, that you would use us in that way. God, I pray that we would not settle for the same old, same old like Tara did, but instead we would be like Abram. And we would push through the difficulties and we would push through the distractions and we would push through the hard times to fulfill the call that you have put on our lives. God, to fulfill the, your desires for us, the new things that you want to do in our lives, the new springs in the desert, God, that speaks so obviously to us in our location, God. Lord, that those spiritual springs would well up in us and in this area, God, and that we would push through to that, God. We would seek after you like Jacob wrestling with the angel, Lord, that we would not give up when it gets hard, God, but that we would seek after you with all of our hearts. Even when we get street, when we get weak, you are strong, and I pray that we would seek you in that. God, we thank you. We love you. We pray that you would just continue to use this group in a bigger and better way. God, in your name we pray. Amen.